0: eldership team and you say how do you do that well we have children i have a child here in the front row who lives in johannesburg i have another child who lives in pretoria i have another child who lives down the road from us in peter Maritzburg, and i have a child that lives in england so i have a piece of my heart in four different places and i cope with that most of the time and then my spiritual heart has a home here Children here, and children in Peter Maritzburg. And it's actually no different. Uh, Just as stretching, may I say sometimes just as painful. Uh, You know when you have a second child, you don't stop loving the first one any less. Did you know that? What happens to your heart? It just grows. It just grows. And sometimes you don't quite know where your heart is. And that's okay. So I'm going to ask you this morning for two things, okay? The first is this, I left my notes at home. Uh, I have a reasonable memory, uh, but it's not perfect. So I've left my notes at home completely. And so I would appreciate it if if I'm going a little bit wrong. Patty will stop me in 25 minutes. Well, she'll tell me when 25 minutes is here, and then I'll go for another five. So even if I'm going badly, it'll only be bad for half an hour. Okay? But my half an hour hasn't started yet because I'm still explaining things. Um, That's the first thing. But if you smile, my memory seems to work better. I'm serious. Okay? If you smile and stay awake. Nick? A big stretch for you actually from the south, but if you can stay awake, because I probably had a late night last night, but if you can smile, that helps. The second thing is... We're starting a new series today called Children Who Change the World. I think I got it right because I left my notes behind. That is the right title, eh? Children Who Change the World. And, and, okay, this is not a series on how to raise children, it's not a parenting course. It's not a series on how to raise children, it's a series on how God is raising his children. Very different. So, for the next six or so weeks, we're going to look at this how God is raising his children to be a blessing in the world. You know that it has always been God's intent, God's purpose, and God's plan to bless the world through his family. We're going to look at that over the next six weeks. So, this morning is going to be a little bit. Uh, you're going to have to use your brains. Is that okay? All right. Some of us, our brains haven't been to the gym for a while. So this morning, please, I know I want to cover this and cover that and go here, there, and everywhere and, and read a whole lot of stuff. You're going to have to listen. You're going to have to concentrate. Please take notes and I hope this is recorded and listen to it again during the week. Not because I think it's a great preach, but because it's God's word. You're with me? So you're going to have to, one, smile. Can you just try that? Everybody? ready? Smile. And secondly, concentrate. Again, you give me your concentrating look. Smile. Concentrate. Can you do both at the same time? All right, have you got that? So we're looking at... Children who change the world, the fact that God is raising his children to bless the world. My 30 minutes starts now. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place. Thank you, Father, that you know every heart, every soul in this room right now so completely. You know where they're at. You know everything about them, Lord. You know what is on their hearts, what's concerning. You know what they need. You know what they need to hear. And I ask you, Father, right now that for every single person, you would meet with them, Father, powerfully, individually, Father, where there is healing needed, where there is relational restoration needed, where there is peace needed, where there is salvation needed, where there is deliverance needed, where there is prosperity that is needed. Come and do that. The glory of your name. And I'll ask you, Father, for myself that you would help me. And please give me the grace to bring this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, can you put your... Find three places in the Bible: Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 29, and Genesis chapter 35. So it's the first book of the Bible. Okay, three places: chapter 12, chapter 29, chapter 35. Those are we're going to look at those three uh, all verses in those three chapters today. So going back to Genesis chapter 12, which is where this. This nature of God to bless. Isn't that incredible, friends, that it is the nature and the intent of God to bless? We're going to go back in the Bible to where that picture starts. And it starts in Genesis chapter 12. Actually, we're going to go back just a few verses to chapter 11 from verse 31. Terah, the father of Abraham took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abraham. Together they set out from Ur of Chaldeans, which by the way is in present day southern Iraq, to go to Canaan. When they came to Haran, Haran is sort of like the eastern part of Turkey, they settled there. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. How many of you get from that? that it's the nature of God to bless. How many of you get from that, that the blessing of God comes into the world through his family? So we have Terah. I don't know why God chose this family of all the nations on the earth at the time, but he chose this family. So we have Terah. Terah has a son called Abraham, who has a wife called Sarah, And they give birth to, well, she gives birth to Isaac. Isaac has a wife called Rebekah, and she gives birth to twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob has two wives. One is called their sisters. You can imagine their relationship. Okay? Has two wives, one is called Leah and one is called Rachel, and between the two of them, and a little help from their friends. All right, go and read the story. They have, he has 12 sons. Reuben, Simeon, Judah, Levi, Dan, Asher, Naphtali, Issachar, Gad, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin. Thank you, without notes, eh? I've got a good short-term memory. So have you got that picture? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his 12 sons. And through these 12 sons, through this family, blessing comes to the entire planet. And that promise of God to bless is what you and I are living in today. Now here's the thing. The story of blessing is a story of grace. Did you know that Sarah was barren? Did you know that Rebecca was barren? And did you know that Rachel was barren? All three wives through whom the blessing would come were barren. Don't you often feel that when, that when blessing is expected and you know blessing is coming, everything seems barren. Isn't it crazy? I mean, what are the chances of this family through which God is going to bless the world that all three wives can't fall pregnant? The work of grace, friends. Secondly, Abraham is okay. He's not actually such a model son of God. Abraham did some really stupid things. Isaac also did some really stupid things. Jacob was also pretty stupid. And then they have these 12 boys. And these 12 boys are anything but perfect. Anything but perfect. And yet somehow the blessing of God is still able to flow into the world they're still able to carry his grace his glory his gifting and his goodness into the world despite their imperfections and friends i look in the mirror and i think god how can you use me seriously you know there's only one verse in the bible i disagree with And that's where Paul claimed he was the worst of sinners. Because honestly, I think I'd give him a run for his money. The fact that God... There's another scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which says this. We have the treasure of God's glory and gospel in jars of clay. To show that the transcendent power belongs to God and not to us. Friends, I don't know about you, but I feel... When, you look, when God looks at me, there's so much more glory than clay. The message puts it like this. We have this precious, precious message in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. Isn't that beautifully put? We carry the message of God. We carry this blessing in the, in the clay pots of our ordinary lives. you and I are very ordinary, and yet it is still God's will to bring blessing to the world through us, His children. So what we're going to do over the next six weeks is we're going to look at some of these 12 boys, not all of them, just some of them, because you know that in the Bible, names are very significant. And we're going to look at some of these names to help us understand what kind of people we ought to be. The first son was Reuben. The last son was Benjamin. So read this with me. Go to Genesis chapter 20. What did I say? 29. And by the way, thank you for at last a Bible with big writing. This is amazing. I want to take this Bible home. Okay, go and read the chapter. It's quite a... I mean, if they made a Netflix series of Genesis 29... It would put, it would need a rating on it. So, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. Verse 32 So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. Not the word Reuben literally means. See a son. That's what it means. See a son. Reuben. Ben, see a son. Yesterday, Haz and I were at a wedding and we saw a couple from our church that we haven't seen for some time and they've just given birth. So they arrived there with little four-week-old Caleb. What do you think they said to us? Come and see our son. That's what you do when you have a child. You say, see our son. Got a. Genesis chapter 35, a few verses on. This is 20 years later, by the way, at least 20 years later. So Reuben's at that stage where he figures out that if his mom is pregnant, he's embarrassed. Okay? Now, it came to pass, verse 17, that when she was in hard labor, this is Rachel... The midwife said to her, do not fear, you will have the son also. And so it was as her soul was departing. So she gave birth and she died. She died in childbirth. She called his name Ben-Onai. Everybody say Ben-Onai. You know what Ben-Onai means? Son of my sorrow. She's dying in childbirth. She's, She's had a very... She hasn't had the easiest of lives. And as she gives birth, her last words are name him Ben Onai, the son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. Okay? First son, Reuben. See, I have a son. Second, last son, ben we don't often look at that name, ben the son of my sorrow, who his father immediately named or renamed Benjamin, the son of my right hand. We're going to look at these two names because they say something about you and I. See a son, the son of my right hand, the one whose name has been changed from son of sorrow son of my right hand? Can you stay with me a bit? How many of you know that when a person repents and is saved, the whole of heaven rejoices? You know that. Luke chapter 15. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people. What it means is this, every time somebody is saved, every time somebody is born again, it's like the whole of heaven rejoices because it's announced in the heavenlies, see a son, see a daughter. The moment you were born again, all of heaven heard the news, here is my boy, here is my daughter. See, I have a son. I remember when Hards gave birth to our first and second ch- children, because that was pre the dates of scans. What the midwife say? You have a girl. It was announced. It was presented. See, you have a beautiful daughter second time see you have a beautiful daughter and friends when you are born again when you come into a relationship with god it's like the whole of heaven receives this announcement see i have a son see i have a daughter most beautiful thing friends you know that the revelation of god as father that jesus brought to the planet was a radical revelation. You see, you and I have been brought up with the Lord's Prayer, whether we believe it or not. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Even if you don't mean it, we were taught it. But when Jesus taught those words, when the disciples came to him in Matthew 6 and said, teach us how to pray, and he says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, it was radical. Because in the Old Testament, you never addressed God as Father. You addressed Him as Adonai. You addressed Him by His title, not His nature. You know that the word Jehovah, which is the name of God, is used in the Old Testament, listen to this, more than six and a half thousand times. But the word Father, referring to God, in the entire Old Testament, Is used 13 times. Six and a half thousand times God is revealed by his name. 13 times by his nature. And then the Lord Jesus comes along and he begins to talk about Father, 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 Father. And when you pray, you don't pray Lord, you pray our Father. Friends, this understanding of God as Father is a radical revelation. And, and before you and I can be a blessing to the world, we have to reckon with our sonship. We have to reckon. We have to account for this fact that before I am anything, I am a child of God. Be honest with you, friends. It's the revelation of God that I personally struggle the most with. I do not struggle with this revelation of God as sovereign. I do, not rest, I, I do not struggle with the revelation of God creator. I do not struggle with the revelation of God as Lord. But I struggle with the revelation of God as father. And yet the Bible says that when we are born again, he puts his spirit within us. Romans 8, and that spirit bears witness with our spirit that we call him not just father, but Abba. I don't know about you, but but that's the revelation of God, as simple as it is, that I struggle the most with. Just to know that God is my father, and I'm his child, and he somehow smiles at me. I want to take you to three scriptures, and hopefully they will bring a revelation of our sonship. Friends, if you and I do not reckon with our sonship, and we only reckon with our servanthood, we will not carry blessing to the world, we will carry religion. Can I say that again? If you and I have not reckoned with our sonship, but have only grasped our servanthood, we will not carry blessing to the world, we will carry religion. We will carry a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. First scripture, John chapter 1. To all who received Him, talking about Jesus, who believed in His name, He gave the right or the power to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. Friends, I remember the old NIV, not the new one. So if my words are slightly different, I haven't memorized the new NIV. To all who received him, Jesus, who have believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Friends, when, when the midwife introduced your child to you, when Lainey was presented to her mom by the midwife, because I know that Lainey's pre-scan age. The midwife didn't say, oh, you have a lovely mathematician. When Vas was, I think you are post-scan, but anyway. When Vasen was presented, the midwife didn't say, oh, you have a lovely builder. When my mom was presented, the midwife didn't say, oh, you have a plumber. Because that's my trade. Are you with me? You're not presented by what you do. You are presented by who you are. And when you are born again, it wasn't announced to heaven. "Mm, We have a new apostle. We have a new elder. We have a new preacher. We have a new worship leader. It wasn't announced what you do. It was announced who you are. To all who received him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become apostles. No. He gave the right to become preachers. No. He gave the right to become elders. No. He gave the right to become children of God. Friends, that's what we, that's who we are. Second scripture. One John chapter three. Verse one. See what love the Father has given. How am I doing for time? 20. Can't never be. See what love the Father has given us. Prince, can you grasp this? Prince, this is a God statement. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Some of us need to go and stand in front of the mirror and point at that person in the mirror and say, You are a son or a daughter of God. That is who you are. The reason the world does not receive us is because it did not receive him. Behold, we are God's children now. Friends, you are not a child of God by behavior. You are a child of God by birth. I'm sure there were many, many times when my parents wanted to disown me. But they couldn't. Because it was not dependent on my behavior. Even if they wanted to disown me, they can't. Why? Because I have their blood, their genes, their DNA inside me. I'm born from them. And even if I'm the farthest thing from them in terms of my behavior, I am still their child. I want to disown my own kids on occasion. Not any present, but other ones. You can't. You, even though, you know, you know, kids, you get embarrassed with your parents, don't you? Not half as much as they get embarrassed by you. Your kids are, Mom, you're embarrassing me. They, guys. Do you know how much you embarrass your parents? Seriously. They never disown you. Why? They can't. They cannot disown you because they're born from you. And friends, you and I are born of God. Born of God. Even if we do nothing to reflect Him. In fact, even if we do everything to reflect otherwise, we are born of God. Scripture number three. Luke chapter three, verse 22. The Lord Jesus comes out of the water of baptism. And it says, in a voice and the Holy Spirit descended on Him in bodily form as a dove, and these words were spoken, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Isn't that incredible? For here is the perfect father speaking to the perfect son. If ever there was a son who didn't need affirmation, please hear me. If there was a son who didn't need affirmation, it was Jesus. Because I and the father are one. But if God the Father saw the need to affirm the perfect son, the son who didn't need it, how much more does that affirmation hang over you and I? You're my son, you're my daughter, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. Friends, you know there's a difference between love and pleasure. Love is a duty. Love you can't help. You can't help love your child. But jeepers, they don't always make you smile. I mean, even if I don't want to love my kids, I can't stop. It's like in there. Pleasure is different. Pleasure means my mom and dad smile at me. My mom and dad are happy. They don't just love me, they're happy. And God says over your life, to my son, my daughter, whom I love, I'm pleased with you. I I, I never, ever doubt that God loves me, but I do doubt that he smiles. The affirmation of God is is both one of our love and our smile. So friends, as you look at these names, Reuben, see I have a son, see I have a daughter. Grasp, pursue, lay hold of, immerse yourself into this incredible amount of Scripture. That affirms you as his son and as his daughter. My second point, which I'm going to have to be really quick about, is I want to take these three names Reuben, Benoni, and Benjamin and look at how they describe Jesus. Because Jesus is the Reuben, Jesus is the Benoni, and Jesus is the Benjamin. First of all, see a son. Jesus, the fulfillment of Reuben. We've just celebrated Christmas. Matthew chapter 1 tells us that Joseph, the husband of Mary, at that stage just the fiance, finds out that Mary is pregnant and he knows it's not his. How many of you know that's awkward? How many of you know that this was a difficult thing for Joseph to navigate? And it says that while he was asleep, he had a vision, and an angel spoke to him and said this, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. The angel comes to Joseph and says, see, you are going to have a son. He is the fulfillment of Reuben. In Luke chapter 1, Mary, who is the virgin, who suddenly finds herself pregnant. Can you imagine how complicated that is? Seriously, friends, we read these stories so quickly, but think about it. She's a virgin, and suddenly she's pregnant. And it wasn't 2024 where weird things happen. (laughs) And the angel Gabriel appears to her her and says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive, and you will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. See, Mary, you are going to have a son. And the message of Jesus to the world is, behold, the Son of God. Why was Jesus taken to, the, taken to Calvary by the high priests? Because he claimed to be the son. Jesus is the fulfillment of Reuben. But friends, Jesus is also the fulfillment of Benoni, the son of my sorrow. Isaiah chapter 53 says this. He was despised. And rejected by men a man of sorrow, familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our sorrows and carried our griefs, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brings us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. A man of sorrows, friends. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, was the son of sorrow. When Jesus was 40 days old, Luke chapter 2 tells us that he was presented by his parents in the temple. And an old man called Simeon came up. And it had been promised to Simeon that that he would not die until he saw the, the Lord's Messiah. And this old man comes into the temple, and it's revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he has arrived. And it says he took Jesus in his arms, this little 40-day-old boy, and he said to the Lord, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the sight of all people. And carries on and says that, that he blessed him. And he said that that this son has been appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a son that will be spoken against or opposed. And then he turned to Mary and he said, and a sword will pierce your own soul. There is a Benoni about this boy. The son of sorrow. And then how is Jesus our Benjamin? Son of my right hand. You know that when we talk about right hand as human beings, it's about, it's about location. See, this person's on my right and this person's on my left. They're located on my right, they're located on my left. But when the Bible speaks about right hand, it's not about location, it's about position. And so when the Bible says that Jesus is seated at God's right hand, it's not that Jesus is on this side and somebody else is on that side. It's that Jesus... Has, has the position, the authority. It's like, it's like he's with the Father. He's in the Father. He is the Father. It's about position. Have you got that? Janice prayed a prayer this morning in the pre-service prayer meeting from Ephesians chapter 1. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him more. I don't care what you think about me this morning, but my prayer is this, that you might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him more. He carries on and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. That power is like the the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority, principality and power. Jesus is the Reuben. World, see my son. Jesus is the Benoni, the son of sorrow. But Jesus is the Benjamin. Seated at the right hand of God, equal to the Father. And you say, what has Jesus, the fulfillment of those names, got to do with you and I? Jesus became the Benoni so that you and I can become the Benjamin. Can you grasp that? Jesus became the Benoni. So that you and I can be the Benjamin. Because Ephesians chapter 2 goes on to tell us that we have been seated with him in the heavenly realms. The incredible message of Jesus fulfilling these names. I reckon if we were honest, every single one of us, looking at our lives, looks in the mirror and sees some, some Ben-on-I. Looks there and sees some sorrow, some regret, some wish. And Jesus took all of that, friends, so that you and I in faith can be seated with him as he is seated at the right hand of God. And friends, these revelations, if we are going to be a blessing to the world, if you and I are going to carry the glory and the goodness and the grace and the gifting of God, which is His intent, if you and I are going to carry the blessing of God into this world, we have to reckon with our sonship and our daughtership. We have to reckon with this fact that you and I are presented before all of the heavens as, this is my son. This is my daughter. Never seen a parent present their children that wasn't proud. I've seen parents present children, I say this very sensitively and tenderly, but I've seen parents present children with serious physical defects, even mental defects, but never not proud. Never not proud. There is a way, dear friends, that God presents us. Before the heavens, it's my Reuben. See, I have a son. See, I have a daughter. And you and I get locked up in Ben-on-I. And Jesus became the Ben-on-I so that you and I can be the Benjamin. It is not an arrogant thing to say I'm seated with God in heavenly places. Be honest with you guys. I've been to Johannesburg for some time, and in all honesty, I'm, I'm not a fan of Johannesburg. I mean, it's a lovely place, but it's hard coming back here. And I hope you don't mind me being very personal about this, but for us and I to come back here for we don't know how long, we don't even know what it looks like, it's not, it's not that easy. I sat here this morning on my chair there with a thousand thoughts running through my head. A thousand thoughts. And just struggling. I've left my notes behind. I just all sorts of things invading my headspace. From this morning when I woke up, there's so much Ben on inside me. And just to, but Lord, I'm seated with you. I'm seated with you, and do this. <laughs> You know, can I go on for just two more minutes? I know I'm well over my time. You know, there's a difference between a statement of fact and a statement of faith. You know that. How many of you believe this is true? I can do nothing apart from Jesus. How many of you believe that's true? Put your hands up if you think that's true. I can do nothing without Him. How many of you believe this is true? I can do anything through Him. Is that true? Both true. I can do anything that he wants me to do through him. What's the difference between the two? One's a statement of fact. The other's a statement of faith. I can do nothing without him. Nothing. That's true. There's no faith in that. It's just true. I can do anything through him. It's not just true, but faith. Friends, stop proclaiming fact over your life and make statements of faith. It doesn't actually help you to remind yourself that you can do nothing without him. Unless you're arrogant and proud, in which case it's probably good. But it doesn't help you do anything. But when you say you can do anything through him, Statement of faith. Everyone's 2024, for us as a church, for you as an individual, needs to live on statements of faith, not statements of fact. Lord, this thing that you've called me, this thing, this place, I can do it. Stop confessing what you can't do without Him and confess what you can do through Him. Say that again. Stop confessing what you can't do. I can't remember what I said, but that thing that I said, remember it. I can't remember what it was, but it was right. Whatever it was, it was right. Okay. What happens when you leave your iPad at home? Let stand. Guys, please can I ask you, not for my sake, but so... So that this word that God is speaking cannot get inside you. Please go home and reflect on these things. Please go home and look at Genesis 12. Please go home and look at Genesis 29. Please go home and look at Genesis 35. Please take those scriptures that we looked at today that speak of our sonship. Please let them get inside you. Chew on them. Make them part of you. Friends, if you're here this morning and you think of yourself, there's actually more Ben -ah than there is Benjamin. You're just more aware of the sorrow part than the seated with him in heavenly realms and he's at the right hand of God. If there's more sorrow in your heart than sonship, let's ask everybody to close your eyes, please. You just raise your hand where you are. Father, you see, hands that are lifted. And Lord, it's a revelation of your spirit. It's a work of your spirit. It says, it says in Romans 8 that his spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. And it's his spirit inside you that enables you to cry out, Abba Father. And friends, quite frankly, some of us have had shocking fathers. Some of us have had family circumstances. Some of us have literally been born with Ben and I. But in God, different. I ask you, Father, now to come, please. The power of your spirit. When these hands that are lifted now, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you, Father, for a work of your spirit. I can't convince, Lord. I, I can't make this. Come now. Just let truth, let statement of faith into these hearts now. Now, Father, let this word land. Let this word take root. Jesus' name. Friends, just while your eyes are bad, you may be here this morning, and you've never become a child of God. You've never become a son or a daughter of God, because it says there in John chapter 1, verse 12, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And maybe you're here this morning, and you've never actually received him. You might have been going to church your whole life, but you've never actually received him. And this morning, as you've been hearing this message, you're saying, I actually, I'm not born again. I'm not a child of God. And today might be the day that you need to receive Jesus and put your faith in him and become a child of God. If that's you, can I ask you to raise your hands? Is anybody here, you are not a child of God. You've never given your life to him. Would you raise your hands, please? I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And i ask you to pray this in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, you said in your word that if I receive you and I believe in you, you make me a child of God. And Lord, I don't understand everything about you. I don't know everything about you. with my heart now, I receive you. I receive you, Jesus, as Lord. I receive both who you are and I receive what you've done. And I believe in you. And I put my faith in you. And I open my heart to you now to live within me, to reign within me, to fill me with your spirit. From this moment, in Jesus' name. Amen.